Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with the man who famously lost his innocence in the back of a limo to an inebriated and slightly handsy Betty Davis on Return from Witch Mountain. Here's Ike Eisenman. <laughs> Ike. <laughs> well, I, I, you need to include the fact that Christopher Lee and you know Anthony James were in the limo too, but you know, so to be fair. <laughs> okay, before before we get sued from the Betty Davis estate, that did not happen. I just want to say. <laughs> Oh God, that's great. That's great. Well, today we are going, we are finally back to another edition of our Forgotten Films segment. And uh, talking to you during the week, it seems like we've devolved into like, you know, who's going to torture each other the most in our selections of films. Well, yeah, it seems, it seems like that's our new goal. I don't, I'm not <laughs> quite sure why, but um but you know, I mean, the very, I don't the think very I did idea that on this one, but no, but no, I do no, have one, one that will. No, no, it just, it just tried my patience. That's all. But so that's not really a torture. That's just, uh, yeah. Um, well, we'll, yeah, talk but, about, well, well, we are talking about. I, I chose. It was my turn. So I selected yeah. the 1980, uh, you know, comedy caper. How to Beat the High Cost of Living. It starred Jane Curtin, Susan St. James, Jessica Lange, and also featured Dabney Coleman, Richard Benjamin, Fred Willard, who was almost unrecognizable in there for me for some reason, and your old friend, Eddie Albert. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, I had forgotten about that Eddie Albert was in it, actually. When I, uh, when I, I have not seen this film in over 30 years. And oh, I selected okay. it. So, because I liked it as a kid, it was on cable all the time. <laughs> you know, when I was when I was growing up, it was like one of those <laughs> things that they must have got. You know, the early things of cable, and they got the rights to it, so they just went over and over and over again. So I watched it a lot back then, and I enjoyed it then. Um, but I'm going to let you go. Your thoughts first. I already got a little bit of sense how you felt from what you well, said. Well, <laughs> I know, I know, but actually, oh, let's ahead. read the synopsis. Let's, yes, let's do yeah, a little synopsis so people know. Because um, believe okay. me, this In this film is forgotten by most people. Yes, it absolutely is. I'm sure. So in it, we have uh, three three housewives. Two two of them are you know divorced. One's already divorced, uh, Susan St. James. One gets divorced as the movie started. Jane Curtin and Jessica Lange. I guess her her marriage. She's not divorced, but she's having a little bit of problems in it. So they're they're all struggling. It was like remember the end of the Carter years. So a lot of you know inflation, a lot of high costs on things. So they need a scheme to get some money quick for they have a lot of bills piling up. So they need a scheme to get some money. Just so happens at their local mall in Oregon, at their mall, there's like a whole money ball thing that you have to guess how much money is in this ball. It cir circulates around through air. They decide that they're going to rob this, the money from the ball. You know, while it's, while it's happening, it's the basic premise of this so to me, you know, it's a lovely dated movie. It looked, <laughs> you see it, but I'm going to talk about why I like that aspect of it. <laughs> but I'm going to give, let take it to you first. And then I'm going to go before we go into really breaking it down. 
Well, I I had never seen it, so this was my opportunity I'm to surprised check it out. Yet. I really and am. I've I've heard, I, I, of course, I heard about it, but it just wasn't a movie at the time that interested me. So I didn't go to see it in the theaters, and I never picked up on it in the ancillary markets and VHS and DVD and all of that. Um, but you know, I love the premise. The premise is a it's a great idea. You don't see that many women caper films, especially and back I then. Always, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially back then. Now it's much, much more common. Um, but but then, and, you know, and, and obviously making it a very silly, very silly comedy was definitely the way to go. And I, you know, I loved the cast. I loved. I again, I loved the concept. I thought it was interesting. But I love a caper movie anyway. I don't know what it is about them. I have just always been fascinated by them because anytime you've got to figure out how to do something, you know grotesquely illegal <laughs> find a way to get away with it and then of course somehow make your character sympathetic at the end if they do get away with it that it's all okay is is you know quite i think quite an achievement but you know no my my it can't be a really a complaint because this is a dated film it's a film from 1980 and it is as bad as 80s as you can get uh, like it really feels a, like a crossover of the late 70s early 80s it I definitely mean, had it, the late 70s feel it definitely did yeah i mean in everything it just it amazes me always how i don't want to say period films but what were contemporary films at the time back in the 70s and, and 80s just feel everything about them from the music to the way they're shot Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can't help but see, you know, all the cars are from that era. It's it's like it, it's like your love of time travel must must make you enjoy watching these movies because you get to go back in time and really see what it was like to live um, in nineteen in nineteen eighty. But yeah, going to the inflation thing, I wanted to make this point because I thought it's kind of interesting that you pick this movie now because. In, and I don't want to draw some major comparison to how difficult things were then perhaps compared to how they are for so many people right now. But just to put it in a context, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm not an economist by any stretch. I don't know that much about inflation and how it works and how bad it, generally it was um, in 1980. But I know I got my first mortgage for a house in 1981 and I paid 13.5% interest on it. So you talk about expensive. I mean, just, and that, I mean, you know, just to own a home, that's what you had to, you had to pay. So I really don't remember how expensive everything else was. So I'm looking at this movie saying, this is a real like legit, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, scenario that these women found that found themselves in. And that was their solution was to, to rob this thing. But, uh, so yeah, so my basically my complaint is 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 simply that it's dated. It doesn't hold up, <laughs> but I've still found myself enjoying it. I really did. It has great moments. The, all the actors are great in it, and the character actors, of course. And I agree with you. Fred Willard was unrecognizable. I kept saying that is Fred Willard. I know it is, but he's so mellow and he's so normal. Right. It was very odd. It's just hard to believe that he was ever kind of just funny this funny guy yeah <laughs> just a you know a, a semi-normal supporting actor without all of that craziness that he embodied throughout most of his career so 
yeah, that's my, that's my my general thing. And and you know, and I'll say, well, I don't know how we're going to go through this one. I, I don't have any. I mean, I have some comments to make about parts of it that just cr really and truly cracked me up. But I found myself going along and saying, okay, they they try to pull off this heist, and of course, everything that can go wrong goes goes wrong, which is part and parcel <laughs> for this kind of a movie. But it somehow all got resolved at the end and in a way that left me saying, you know what? I like the ending. I laughed. I laughed very hard at the last scene. I thought the last scene was fantastic the way they resolved it, but we can talk about that part later. So what is it you uh, like so much about it? Uh, but first, first I'm going to vent, which I forgot. I should have done this at the beginning of the, uh, at the, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I, I'm going to vent here. Okay. I have to say to our audience, Ike and I decided, you know, we, we're going to get a new logo. You may have seen it on our banners. <laughs> okay. We, we, oh, we yes, logo yes, yes. Show. Okay. And we have a new logo and everything. And we're going, we decided we're going to start, you know, wearing our logo proudly. We're going to do our pop culture retro. So here, here's, here's the shirt. If you can see it here, pop culture retro. There's our new shirts. And Ike graciously actually bought me this shirt. He did buy this shirt. <laughs> hey, let's, let's wear these together. And like, okay, Ike, yeah, sure, we're gonna do that. And one of us is in wearing the shirt. One of us is a committed team player. Yes. No, I'm guilty. And it's not like he doesn't have the shirt because he does. But let me oh. let me hear your excuse again because you gave oh, it to no, me no, before. Oh no, no, wait a second. Wait a second. I bought mine, but I bought mine in the wrong size. And I just couldn't possibly wear it because it was too tiny, too small. I look like I'm in a leotard of some kind with a logo on it. And it just, I just, even though my wife said, no, you can get away with it and get away with it. I just know I would be sitting here feeling like, oh my God, I, this is just, this is, this is, this is inappropriate. It's uncomfortable. And I, I can't do it. So I have mine coming by the time, next time, hopefully we do another show. I will have mine on as well, and I will be wearing it proudly too. When when I, I first came on, logged on today, and I saw that you weren't wearing the shirt, I think, okay, there's something wrong with the shirt that maybe like <laughs> I'm going to wear it later, and there's going to be ink all over my body. And he didn't tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that kind of a prankster. I'm 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 not I'm not that clever nor nor that cruel. Um, but whether the thought crosses my mind session. or not. <laughs> yeah so we hope you guys like our new logo and our new artwork um yeah i'm going to give a shout out to our, our, our very good friend jan eldridge's um daughter savannah eldridge she did the artwork for us. she's an amazing new graphic artist and we need to give her some more sh some shout outs on social media but um yeah if anyone out there is looking for a very talented uh, artist to do some work for him she's she's great she was awesome to work with and we were thrilled with with what she gave us, so we're excited. Well, at, at least I was thrilled. It looks like, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, so back to the movie. Yes, back yeah. to the movie. Uh, this is the and I've mentioned this to you before. It's exactly because it's dated that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but and I, and I looked at it, uh, and I again, it did bring me back to child because I, I i watched it i wasn't even a teen yet probably when i when it first started watching it on cable so um so i was enjoying it and i did enjoy it now too it's definitely dated it definitely has but like you just said it has that feel it has that late 70s movie feel and there's no mistaking when you see a movie from that time period you know it 
hundred percent. It's not just the cars; it's just the feel, the cinematography, everything, the look of it had that had that feel to it. So it did bring me right back to those times. And the majority of the movie takes place in this mall. And again, there's nothing more of that time period than the mall experience. So I was looking. Part of me was looking at the stores in the mall. Yes, right. Tom McCann. Tom yes. McCann's shoes play was played a prominent part in in the in the story and and I saw that sign pop up and I thought oh my god that's just that is because yeah and I had to look it up online they don't have storefronts anymore they still sell shoes believe it or not but they don't have their uh, their stores anymore that uh, I don't know I don't know when that when that ended but boy th that was yeah that was a that was a fixture yeah for sure that's exactly and I, I love seeing all the stores I love seeing you know everything they're just everyone hanging out at the mall which, you know, people still do go to the mall. It's not like they stop, but it's not the same. It's not the same experience. So this this was fun to me. And I, I loved I loved Dabney Coleman's part a lot. And uh, Richard Benjamin, I love in everything Richard Benjamin. And I, I, I have to ask now, this is such a stupid question because it's like, you know, it's separating, it's an actor. How do you feel when you just see, you, you, Eddie Albert played such a large, you know, part in your you know, I guess, career. I mean, that's that's mo your most iconic role. Eddie Albert played a part of. How do you just like feel watching him in other things? I just, it's like stupid because I know it's an actor, you can separate it. But this thing as a personal experience, you know, what comes to you when you see Eddie Albert and things? Well, that's a really great question because I found myself um, saying, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, such a different character for him. Um, and later, of course, it was five years you know, mm -hmm. five, six years after um, Witch Mountain. So he's not that much older, but he's older enough. Um, and it was, it was weird. It was weird because spending so much time watching him in the Witch Mountain film um, over and over and over and over again, it's, it's, he's, he's become trapped in that, in that space for me, in that, in that, in that personality that, that of, of the character of Jason O'Day that he took on. So it's very trapped that way in my head. And all of a sudden it, it was, yeah, it was like seeing Jason acting kind of like a, you know, an ass. And so it was, it was, it was weird, but not unlike the curmudgeon he started out in, in Escape to Witch Mountain. So it was, it was, it was odd. I was used to seeing him in films that are older than that, like prior to, um, mm -hmm but not really much uh, afterwards. I, I, I didn't necessarily follow his career and didn't know, to, you know, I, I, I can't even name another film that, that he was in after Witch Mountain. It's just not part of my, um, my consciousness. So it was interesting to see him and, um, but it kind of pulled me out. It, it did. It was weird. It that's was very weird. So that was a good question. It pulled me out. I was it's wondering like, about that. Yeah, it's like, that's not, this is not just Eddie Albert, the actor. This is a character that I grew up with that's part of my life right. it's now in another movie and it's just it was it was weird so that was a really good question <laughs> no, because I, I i think you're like you know he's tied into you know in many ways that's why I, and that stayed with me while watching it too like you know i i told you i forgot that he was in it yeah. <laughs> when i suggested the movie yeah. i totally forgot and then when he said i was like oh wow <laughs> and, I saw that I, and i said i wonder how ike feels watching this and it just it, it occurred to me every <laughs> single scene that he was in so yeah. It, it pulled me out a little bit too, but I, I, I read, I was reading all about it. I think I'm sure you did too. I was reading all about the film itself and it took like 10 years to get, to get done. I don't know if you saw that part. So it was like uh, the screenplay originally was like written in the early seventies. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, here were the names that, you know, they said originally it was like considered a vehicle for Goldie Hawn, Ally McGraw, and Barbara Streisand. Oh, that was one wh- of their oh first, wow. Okay. You know, yeah. Their first uh, thoughts on this. And it, you know, kept going through like, you know, every movie does, you know, who's in, who's attached, who's not. And it was only after uh, Love at First Bite, also with Susan St. James, that got made at the same makers, that this was greenlit. So th- that was in- that was interesting to me as well. Well, so, we've talked uh, about this before, but that's that is that's the that's usually how long it takes a movie to get made ten, nine to ten years from the time a screenplay is written and it goes through the machine, you know, the sausage factory, if you will, um, <laughs> and turn and actually then turns into a product. It takes about ten years. It doesn't matter what it is. Like Race to Witch Mountain was the same thing. I mean, and that was a remake but but that's and you know there's various reasons why this happens but that seems to be the magic number i no one seems to know why but it's very (laughs) it's very consistent and it often doesn't matter who the filmmaker is or how powerful they are some things move faster but on average nine to ten years so that doesn't surprise me at all Uh, it was some of the other things in it were you know i saw jane Curtin's first movie and uh, and I did love later on, you know, again, I didn't really think about this at the time. Later on, uh, you know, both uh, Jane Curtin and Susan St. James worked together in Kate and Alley, which I did enjoy that sitcom a lot. So mm-hmm. they were together in that. And, uh, you know, Jessica Lang worked with worked with Dabney Coleman later on in Tootsie. So there are a lot of little things that of the, the people in it that, you know, did work with each other later on in other things. So that that to me was interesting as well. Oh, yeah. No, most definitely. I mean, of course, these were the, the stars of the time, but Susan St. James, and I didn't really check to see how many movies she did, but she was primarily a television actress, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So um, that, it, it, that was kind of interesting to me because the, that period of time, it was a tough for a lot of TV stars to get into movies and movie stars didn't really do television. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to see her in it at, at, at all. Jane Curtin was kind of obvious because all the it seems like all the SNL people from from the 70s were migrating into movies in in one way, shape or form. So, yeah. Well, what was interesting to me about Jane Curtin being in it, I mean, she was fresh off Saturday Night Live. So I was wondering if, you know, if she was pitched this as like you know, a starring vehicle for, I mean, she is one of the stars, but she's not the star yeah. in this movie. Yeah. She's just one of them. And if uh, she was pitched at as being a star in, in the movie or how many offers she got, I mean, because it's the same year as, as Blues Brothers and mm. this movie. So, you know, so they went on to like, you know, lead this huge, you know, huge film as well. And this movie did not do well. And I just saw it, it made, it made its money back so it had, you know, lo- looking at, it, I think the budget was like four and a half million and made seven and a half million, which is like <laughs> mind boggling to me that a movie, you know, just thinking about the numbers, today's numbers that a movie's made in four for four and a half million dollars. But, oh, but yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I did like seeing, you know, like I said, Dabney Coleman played the, the love interest for uh, Jane Curtin and Fred Willard was Susan St. James and Richard Benjamin was for uh, Jessica, Jessica Lang. And again, I I enjoy, I enjoy Richard Benjamin and everything. I did enjoy him in this as well. Yeah, and no, I, I I love Richard Benjamin. He's so awkward, 
and that's uh, you know one of my favorite things about him. He doesn't have any problem doing that. Dabney Coleman's odd to me because I can't I I I, I have I have a very difficult time looking at him as a love interest for anyone because he's just so smarmy and he plays he just plays that despicable character so well i mean you know mm -hmm. nine to five is of course one of my my favorite movies um that 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 he's in because he just that was just that was his character that was just he just he just did too good a job of that for me so it was hard for me to look at him as a love interest to her i couldn't Same. quite figure it out but it it you know i did like the way it worked out but to that point i just i had made a note about this because when 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 he's trying to come on to her and he's having coffee in front of her fireplace and she's invited him in it was just this the most cringeworthy love scene i've i've ever i've ever seen i just sat there going oh god he's not really saying this to her and she's not really gonna buy this is she and it, it was just like those that's but that was again part of the the, the the time you know kind of how these relationships were 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 portrayed in movies and it just it just fascinated me because you would never have a scene like that in anything today i mean it's it's either you know i don't i mean i wouldn't even know how to qualify it and i don't want to go into too much detail because it's just it, it just i don't know i just i just found it strange and um you know even the stuff in the cars when they're you know, on Overlook Point or whatever, and everyone's making out, <laughs> and they're having these conversations about about sex that are just that are just so <laughs> comfortable. And I'm I am I am not a prude by any stretch. It's just it's just that they almost didn't go far enough for me. Yeah, it, it, and and I think a little bit of this reason why I think this missed was when you got a comedic talent like Jane Curtin, and she's very much part of carrying this picture and you hold her back mm -hmm. i don't know why they would do that i don't know why they would do that i mean she played a you know she really did play a perfect you know attractive motivated confused um character in this but i want i wanted to see her funnier i mean susan st james it was almost like that should have been her part because that was a funnier role but I, I, you know, I, I don't know the whole thing. It was, it, it was like the whole thing was two notches down from where I felt like it should have been. It should have gone further over the top. And, and then I think the, the mishaps and the silly situations could have been more enjoyable, but, but, you know, that's just a taste thing probably from, from my perspective. I'm trying to get, figure out what movie it reminded me of a lot, just look wise, I guess. But uh, I, I can't, I can't, but like I said, it, we, we talked about it before. It definitely had that 70s feel, but it reminded me a lot of other films of the time in mm -hmm. just, like I said, tone. So I, I, it's not coming to me which film it, it reminded me of. But yeah, I would agree with some of the things. There, a lot of the conversations that they had in the movie, um, I mean, were, were definitely tailored to make it, you know, try to be funny. But I don't think a lot of the same conversations, like you said today, even to, even to the extent that they went talking about sex and things, would be in a mainstream movie today. I think no. today it would be much more toned down than oh. what yeah. they did then. Oh yeah, oh, no, I, I I agree. That's what I'm saying. It, it was it was a you know it's an interesting it was a period of time in 
film in in film history just how these topics and subjects matters were were handled i mean you think about the 70s movies in the 70s they uh, you know they used to talk about their gratuitous nudity nudity if you didn't have a naked woman show up somewhere in your movie you didn't have which a movie this has as well <laughs> it does for a brief moment it does um which was shocking to me actually I, I just i just went oh okay oh my god um how interesting again not something you would see today but all you know there's a there is a new trend in in entertainment that's going you know very sexy very graphic that i have yet to uh experience and and so we'll just leave that at that but um but it, it it's just interesting how these things how the, just historically how they've been handled i mean going back to what what was it the 30s when was it greta gable no um oh shoot the clark gable in a film like the first time a woman's leg was ever seen in a movie she pulled up her skirt to start to you know to to right help help hitch a ride on the street and this is this is like so shocking right. before you knew it you were seeing women's legs everywhere because obviously it sold tickets so you know i know how these things go they go in these weird cycles but i found it i just i just found the whole matter in which they were discussing this strange. <laughs> it was so strange I mean, I did have its funny moment. A lot. I had more than its, its share. I mean, I thought it had a lot of funny moments in it. Too. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I totally believed the the pos the the reason the reason the way the method how they would get the the cape the, the steal the money. I totally bought that how uh -huh. it could be possible. So I did buy that aspect. I was like thinking as I was watching going in, I was like, all right, this is going to be not exactly as I remembered from a kid. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's going to be ludicrous. But I still bought the the method that they would use. Um, later on, I didn't buy everything there, but like you said earlier, at the beginning of this, it was one of those things that you know how you can root for a thief because it all worked out in their favor at the end. That yeah. they did not necessarily that the bad the bad people because it did work out in their in their favor at the end. I don't know if we should go into spoilers there because I, I you know. Part of the reason is that we do want people to watch the forgotten films that we're talking about, but they they came away clean. They were their hands clean. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, it's how it's how that ends up spilling, um, working its way out that 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 that, that it's worth watching for. But um, what I what I just what I loved, I mean, of course, I'm waiting for. Okay, how does each one now that they're resolving the relationships and. Now the question is going to be asked, where did you get the money? I mean, Jessica Lang didn't need, ended up not needing it. So right. it's, it's stuffed away for, for future use. And, but, but Susan St. James character and Fred Willard at the end, I just thought it was absolutely hilarious where she just, he says, but no, where did you get the money? And she just says, we stole it and just lays it all out exactly <laughs> what happened. And he doesn't believe her. That was fantastic. I thought that was fantastic. He just he just insisted she was lying and making up a story, and that was how we go out with it. It's like, okay, you know what? I have a satisfied ending, so it's it was worth the awkwardness I went through in some in some moments in it, you know, for that. So, spoiler alert: I don't know how many people are going to run out and rent this um, after they watch this show, but no. <laughs> so, but it's not that much of a spoiler because obviously, you know, given the premise, they're either going to 
you know, get away with it or not get away with it in a comedy. You can't have three uh, attractive women in prison, you know, over what they've done and their lives ruined and their children's lives ruined. So you, you know, it's got to go that direction. Right, they all had, I mean, come on. They did all have, uh, well, two of them had kids, right? Yeah. yeah. No, only one of them. Had uh, no, kids, just one. Just one. Susan just St. One, James. Yeah, just one. Yeah, had, had, had children. But, but you said uh, there, was some, there was some scenes that in particular that stuck out to you. Which scenes in particular? Oh, no, stuck I mean, out? just moments. It, it, like when, when uh, okay, um, and I don't know the character name, so it was Susan St. James' character. Uh, they're going through this, this training phase of the heist when the three women have figured out <laughs> that they each need to try to do something illegal to see if they're psychologically ready to steal this money, which I thought was, that's, that's what women would do, right? Men don't do that. You sign up for it, you do the job, you get whacked if you don't. But with women, it's like, no, let's make sure we're emotionally ready for this. And so her, her, she's, she's, her job is she's got to go to a grocery store and, and rob the cashier with a little handgun. And she goes through the entire store and fills her cart up with all this food. And I'm looking out at the, at the, at the food, the meats, the produce and all this stuff. And as she's going through, she's going through the meat aisle, she reaches over and grabs a package. And I swear, I'm trying to hold this up to see if it makes sense. A package <laughs> this freaking big that lo looks like it's got half of a salmon in it. I mean, cut off at the middle, cut off at the tail, skin is on the whole thing. I mean, it, it was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, that's one big hunk of fish and she throws it in the <laughs> cart. And I thought, this is fantastic. You don't see that anymore. You know, you don't see, you just, it was just like the big hunks of meat. Like people used to buy just huge amounts of food back in those days. And I just thought, I mean, that was contemporary, right? So, I mean, I'm looking back on it now historically and finding it incredibly humorous. But uh, I, I, I thought that, I, I just thought that was hilarious. And it was just little things like that scattered out over the whole thing. But again, going back to the mall culture, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that, look, I grew up in that for sure. Um, my social life wasn't based on it, but I used to go to the mall all the time. My brother and I would go and, you know, hang out. And it was a place where young people hung, hung out a lot. And you don't, yeah, you, you, you've seen that change dramatically um, over the decades. So it was very nostalgic for me to see it. And I don't know if you, did you, um, did you read what mall they actually used? Because I didn't, didn't recognize it. It was, I forgot what, you know, I could, I can check it out, but it was a mall in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, Oregon, whatever. And because uh, I don't think they shot the film in Oregon. They shot the mall in Oregon because I, I well, recognize. They, there. they said it was filmed there. Really? That's it was, okay. Yeah. They said That's it was interesting because so much of it looks like Los Angeles and in, in the in the homes that would be in the, the Hollywood Hills overlooking the San Fernando Valley, which is used, they're, that's used an, they're used an awful lot in movies and it looks so much like it that I thought, oh, they probably shot this in the Valley, but they, you know, really? went to somewhere I'm, else for the. I'm almost positive that that's what I read that uh, I have to look that there was filmed there and they selected that mall because specifically it was nearby a river, which was crucial to the plot of the movie. Yeah, so, oh, that's that, that's a big deal. Yeah, if, if they didn't have that, um, yeah, they wouldn't have been able to figure out how they were going to um, get away with the money. Right. But, so yeah. that was one of the the main reasons why they picked that location. I, I was reading yeah. 
which was again very interesting to me. I, I, I uh, <laughs> that the, they went wall hunting just for one th one feature, and I think that was one of the few that they found that uh, actually had that. I should look at well, I I mean, where it was, but I, I think, yeah. Yeah, and and you know my my uh, my tendency to be overly critical about things. I I yeah, I couldn't suspend my disbelief for how they they access that area under because basically what they do is there there's the, the big giant ball in the middle it's in the middle from the, of the interior mall. of the mall it's in the in the middle of the mall but they managed to find these underground passages where they can get underneath it drill a hole in it and extract the money that way and then send the money out to the river on the right and and when you they actually go to 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 to, to do the heist all of a sudden you notice that that where Jessica Lang is taking the money out is within 30 feet of the <laughs> river. And yet when they show you the mall, it's a good football field away. <laughs> away. So you in your head you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. No, no, no. This, this, this can't this can't work. So those kind of things tend to yeah disrupt even my 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 passive enjoyment of of something like that so that was a little problematic for me but hey here, know, here said, it is the, the valley river center uh in eugene oregon ah okay okay yeah because i know i didn't you know la does not have any malls that are near rivers not even the la <laughs> river so that uh, that wouldn't work but that it's it's interesting yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think what else, what else it said about it here. I'm looking it up right now as we speak. Uh, 85 Modern, right, the Valley River Center shopping mall as well. And uh, there were like, well, they showed all the, all the restaurants where they went there. But yeah, it looks like it was filmed all okay. around that yeah. location. Well, it's amazing how much um, like the San Fernando Valley that place looks, to, at least to, sets, to my eye. Sets were constructed yeah. in several warehouses located in the city and environs of uh, Eugene. There you go. There you go. And meanwhile, though, I, I, what I did love, yeah, here's the movie was shot entirely in Eugene. So what I did love is that they're all struggling for money and all their homes were really nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, now I was going to get into that, too. It's like they're <laughs> these gorgeous houses. And, right. and you know, Jane Curtin lives alone in this place, this huge place. It's spectacular with this view, yep. you know, this view of a valley. And she can't afford her $29 power bill i mean that just that that's just so funny but that i thought that was i'm tough with when it comes to comedies i don't laugh out loud it's like i get i get that warm fuzzy chuckle inside and i think oh guys that's funny yeah that's funny i like that but this moment made me laugh out loud completely because yes jane Curtin's character she has to leave her house to start her part of the uh of the heist and she, her power gets shut off because she didn't pay her bill and she's in her garage and she can't open the door. And it, 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 she was, she's trying to resolve the situation with the power company so she can get, get her garage door open and she can't, they, they shut her down on it. So she just drives her car out. She just blows the door open with her car. And that really made me laugh out loud. I thought, you know, that's, that's not something you expect a woman to do but a, a female character to do, but a, but, but one who's determined, it's like, no, I'm get, I'm doing I'm getting, what I have to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. 
and I, nothing's going to stop me. <clears throat> she just explodes her own garage door. I just thought that was great. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> so, so overall, as we're, what do you rate the film? And you know, you happy you saw it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm always, I'm always happy to see something. Always, 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 um, because you know, as I bring up all the time, my work in ADR, which um, I believe we've decided we're going to do a show about because mm -hmm. it's a it's a very fascinating end of, of the um, filmmaking industry that, that I'm hoping our listeners and our audience would be um, curious about. Uh, you know, I, I worked on over a thousand movies, so I had Incredible. to see a thousand movies. And believe me, movies no one wants to see no one ever should see and very few people did see and yet i had to watch them so i feel like you know as a storyteller or at least someone you know i'm not i you know i'm not ter overly eloquent about my criticisms but i i really i've seen so many bad movies and you learn so much more about how to make a tell a good story when you experience a really bad one and if you do it enough then you see enough good ones. Then you can start to kind of put together entirely on your own without having to study it at all. You start to see what the, the things are, the, the failings of these, of these other films. And so I never regretted having to sit down and watch these movies. It was, it, it, it just, I, 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 it became tedious a lot, but it was part of my job. So I had to do it. So therefore, um, I was forced to experience them. So I do not mind when it comes to entertainment. I'm not going to make my wife sit through it because I, I tried to get her to watch this and nope, she, she was on her phone in 10 minutes. I said, it's okay. This is part of my job. You don't have to finish it. I'll finish it tomorrow morning um, or later tonight on my own. It's okay. So for, in terms of entertainment, I'll kill movies left and right. And I've been shocked at some of the major films that I've, I've, had zero interest in watching i mean just just the other night we were watching tried to watch gangs of new york which i've never seen and and i mean this is a martin scorsese film i couldn't stand it we didn't make really? we didn't, i couldn't I, I couldn't stand it i couldn't get past i couldn't get past the first 16 18 minutes of it i just thought oh gosh i just don't know if i can do two two hours <laughs> and 15 minutes of of this kind of um storytelling and just just yeah, I didn't enjoy it, so I didn't watch it. But, but when I do, you know, have an obligation to sit down and make sure I watch it for something like this, it's fun for me. So that's my long explanation of, no, I'm not, didn't regret watching it one bit. I'd give it a three out of five, which I think is good enough to get people, you know, and, and, and again, it's, a, it's, it's now, a, it's a contemporary period film and it's got all the trappings and all the eccentricities of that, which I think is, is makes it enjoyable. So, yeah. One of the things that you mentioned, I, this is what I do like about this, that I, I'm open to new, I get to see new films, films that I haven't seen. Uh, I think the, all the ones that you picked so far, I had not seen. So that's, so that's good. I, it forces the same thing. It forces me to see films that I have not seen before. And I find it interesting. And, um, and you, you will, you will not be thanking me the next film. I guarantee you, you will not be thanking me the next film that I pick. But you told me the same thing there, so I don't feel bad <laughs> on your end. Yes, yeah. So. Yep. You're not. You're, you're not going to be comfortable with it, but you might like it. Uh, it's. It is. It, yeah. So we. Uh, 
more will be revealed, as they say. <laughs> right, it was exactly. I, but I said the same. I w- watched it again. Like I said, this is the first time I've seen it, and really, it's over thirty years since I've seen it. And uh, so I probably a little bit more, probably, probably closer to thirty-five actually. But but I, I still I was on this. I was thinking one scale one to ten, so I gave it a seven. So I'm right around in the same ballpark as you are. Oh, so, I was three out of five. So yeah, okay. I didn't know if we, what our order scale was. We got to get that worked <laughs> so, out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty much the same. I enjoyed it. I would recommend people see it. Um, it's an amusing movie. And it's, like I said, it is a bit dated, but it was an amusing movie to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm gl- I'm, I am glad that I got to see it again. So it did relive memories yeah. for me. And uh, it, was, it was fun for me to go back and see something for my childhood again. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I, I, I enjoyed watching it for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Well, let us know in the comments what you thought, if you liked the movie, didn't like the movie, or remember the movie even. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but we recommend go watching it. And uh, again, this has been Pop Culture Retro. I'm Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And please subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast. 